to grow on the go. Oh, is it cold out there? It is cold. Maybe that's... We've been having some interesting tech issues today. So yeah. maybe that's why. Oh, it's not that cold in the house. There's ice but. crystals in the air. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Just walking to the mailbox and back, I, yeah. I can't feel my cheeks. And it's like just at the end of my street. I live in... Well, it's a condo, but it's like an apartment building. Never really understood the difference. A condo you own, an apartment you don't? That's, that's the only Well, difference. that's the way it sort of is here. But in New York, people buy apartments, so I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, who knows. Anyway, I live in uh, what is technically a condo, but is functionally an apartment. And the mailboxes are inside, which is a delight. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have that luxury. No. You've never lived in an apartment. I have not. You've always been in houses. Your dad was such an entrepreneur. He bought half of a duplex when he was 18 years old. That's insane. I didn't own and, anything at 18 years old. And by the time we got married, when he was the grand old age of 21 and I was 20, yeah. he, we could buy a house. That's insane to me. Um, with a little bit of help from my dad, but not not a lot, really. Just they, I mean, we could have bought it anyway. It just enabled us to make a bigger down payment, yeah, which, which brought our nice. payments down a little bit which we lost anyway because then the oil crash thing happened in Alberta. That's with the first Mr. Trudeau started on that. Yeah. Anyway, um, all that to say, no, I have never lived in an apartment. So I yeah. have to go outside for my mail. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Yeah, you also have a garage <laughs> for both cars. True. Um, I, when I was 21, I was living in a bedroom in someone else's condo, not even like renting a room in someone's house. I was renting a bedroom. In someone and a else's, bathroom. And a bathroom. I did have my own bathroom, that's true. Yeah. Uh, the, lucky for you, though, she was hardly ever home, so you kind of did have the apartment to yourself. For a while, yeah. She eventually moved out, and I got a roommate who was home a lot, which I didn't love. She no. was obnoxious, but... Now you are. Now you have your own above-ground apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I lived in a basement suite for years, and now I actually live somewhere above-ground where I can see the sun... And the skyline. You've got an awesome Calgary skyline view. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. I'm hoping that there will be some reason for fireworks to happen soon so I can Mm -hmm. see them from my Well, I think the stampede is going to happen this year. Um, It was canceled last year because of COVID for the first year in Calgary's history. And that's including when, like, all of downtown Calgary basically got washed away in the flood. Yeah. Yeah, the it actually turned out to be a great marketing campaign because they they come hell or high come water. hell or high water is, is was the campaign slogan, which is genius um, and really kind of rallied people together. I wanted to wear a t shirt with that on it, but I was afraid of offending people <laughs> with the word hell. Third hell. <laughs> I remember I bought a shirt once that said, um, and I was a young adult, but an adult at the time, like nineteen or twenty. It said, there's no such thing as a saint without a past or a sinner without a future, which I thought it wasn't a Christian brand, but I thought that's a very... Redemptive saying, Yeah, really. but the biggest word on it was sinner, oh. um, and you were very, like, you're just branding yourself a sinner. I was like, well, I am. So is everybody else. I don't understand you're the problem. So delightfully authentic, and I struggle with the what will people think because mm. that's sort of the way I was raised. That was yeah. That I was, was unfortunately 
I think the way pretty much everyone in my generation was raised. Maybe certainly not. in the church. Yeah, certainly yeah. in the church. Sadly, I think I think um, perception. Like, how do we make sure we look like a good Christian Mm -hmm. family? And in in a lot of families, including yours, there was also a lot of value in being a a good Christian family. It It wasn't wasn't all look. No, it wasn't a hypocrisy thing. It really wasn't. It was just, we want people to know that, we don't want people to think that we're something that we're not. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Whereas I grew up, well, not grew up, once I hit puberty. I was very much like, I want people to think weird things about me. (laughs) I spent all of junior high trying to hide, so I kind of made up for lost time. Mm. Now here I am Hmm. with the teal hair because I'm very uncomfortable with having a natural hair color because I feel like no one can see me, which is, Hmm. yeah. Um, Speaking of... The way I grew up. Yes. <laughs> we actually have a segue here. Those, see, we never plan our segues or our and, conversations. And you can pretty much tell we yeah. don't plan our segues. But yeah. I, I grew up in um, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Yes. Pretty big denomination in Canada. Not, mm-hmm. a, not as much so in the States. But I've often heard it said that missionary is our middle name. Oh. Christian and yes. Missionary Alliance. Yes, it is. Um, every year of at least the first 30 or so years of my life, we'd have this big annual missionary convention with flags everywhere. I remember and those. Dear, and yeah, special hymns those. like, we've a story to tell to the nations. And missionaries would come from all over the place and share about their work with slideshows. And it was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. We'd have altar calls where young people would be invited to come forward, indicating that they were giving their lives to foreign missions. And to me, a missionary was someone who had a special calling from God, spent years becoming specially trained in language and theology and missiology, which, mm. believe it or not, is actually a thing. That doesn't surprise me. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then they gave up what they were to go somewhere else to become something else. Yeah. That's what a missionary was to me. When you hear the word missionary, what comes to mind for you? Um, so, I mean, there's like what the image I developed as a child and then the image I developed as like a teenager mm-hmm. as a child it was and this is very ethnocentric so bear with me and and a little bit racist and a lot racist it was someone that looked like me um probably white going to like the Amazon some like uncontacted tribe in Brazil or something and Teaching them not just about God, but how to be civilized. Mm. This is not actually being a missionary. This is called colonization, Mm -hmm. and it is bad, Mm -hmm. generally speaking. And I don't think that is what missions was when... I, even when I was a kid, but yeah. certainly in previous generations. Yeah, was. that's what it. That's certainly how it began. Mm-hmm. How missionary work began. A lot now, of it. I, yeah. I, I guess you can't, you know, paint everybody with the same brush. And but. certainly with good intentions. Mm-hmm. I, oh. I would say. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people were, um, you know, trying to assimilate with bad intentions. But I think for the most part, they thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, colonization. Happened. is damaging and mm-hmm. not great and anyway um that's my soapbox for this episode tune in next week for my next one um 
but now, you know, we've got friends. I've got friends that are my age that are missionaries. I have a friend who works in, I think, Thailand. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, she's my friend, but you know, she was my friend well, as a I teenager. I should her, say. Actually, oh, she's been on the ago. show. Yep. So Coralie, um, Coralie works in Thailand with um, sex workers. Sex workers, mm-hmm. yeah. And like that's wild because she didn't just have to learn and like how to speak a new language. Like that's a whole character system that you have to learn how to read too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now I know like she's not you know, digging wells in sub-Saharan Africa, which, again, that is kind of a racist concept. Um, but she is basically just being Jesus to people who need love. Yep, yep. Hanging out with the sex workers, which is what Jesus often did. Yep, yeah. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Well, my perception growing up and, and your early perception isn't really an accurate one. It's only in the last, it's actually only in the last 200 years that mission agencies emerged to hmm. formally train and send missionaries. Yeah. So otherwise it was just people being like, I want to be a missionary and just wandering off into well, the bush. somewhat. But before that, um, that time, the gospel had really already been spread pretty much globally. Yeah. Um, because of everyday regular Christians working their regular jobs and living their regular lives, shared Jesus' story with the people that they met and then helped them grow on the go. Mm -hmm. Um, These days, many of the missionaries that are sent out by the Christian Missionary Alliance are professionals like doctors, engineers, or teachers. Um, Some agencies send out contractors and tradespeople, and they don't plant churches or hold evangelistic meetings or go door-to-door. They just form relationships with the people at work and share Jesus as their friendships grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, you made the point that most we grew up with the idea that missionaries were people who looked like us, who mm-hmm. were white, right? Yep. Um, and and one of the things that the Alliance is doing, and I imagine other mission organizations are doing it too, is realizing that, okay, so you don't want to send Filipino people as missionaries, for example, mm-hmm. to Kuwait because there is real disrespect for yep. the Filipino people. So you would try to pick... Um, you would try to pick a nationality that would be it, there'd be better synergy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, or or like you don't want to you don't want to send white people anywhere where there's general mistrust of white people. Yeah, exactly. Which is a lot of places end. Fair enough. Yeah. No kidding. Um, um, yeah. So I I think that's really quite interesting because missionaries are even foreign missionaries are not necessarily people who look like us or mm-hmm. North American. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just forming relationships with people at work and then sharing Jesus as your friendship grows, doesn't that sort of sound like something any Christian could do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Stephen and Lori are medical professionals who are living in the Arabian Gulf. Um, he talks about how being a missionary there is really just being an authentic friend. These are his words here. Um, There were opportunities for the kinds of authentic, vulnerable conversations that can only happen between friends. It's in these conversations that we start to reveal who we are as we learn about each other. This is where Jesus starts to become more and more evident in our lives in a real and practical way. Steve goes on to share how he's really not doing anything different from what he was doing when he lived in Canada. After all, workplaces naturally connect people of different ethnicities, Mm -hmm. different backgrounds, different worldviews, whatever. Um, And so they become ideal places for Christians to connect with people who aren't, you know, who who maybe are far from God. Mm -hmm. But in in forming those relationships, we definitely have to be patient. 
deep conversations don't happen at work every day. Obviously, there's there's work to do. <laughs> yeah. The flow of our work days may mean we're only we only really get to talk deeply with a friend at work maybe every couple of months. But you know, over a few years, God can really use those conversations to awaken spiritual hunger in somebody. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have any recent examples of what it looks like to cultivate this kind of relationship at work. I've worked out of my own home for the past 15 years with my husband, who is saved. Is that all? (laughs) Um, I remember you working from home a lot when I was a kid. Well, uh, that's true, actually. I did have my own interior design practice, but I guess I got out. I had contact with clients. Yes, that's fair. So it was a little bit different. But I remember that... um, you know, over in times when I had my interior design practice, so over a period of time, especially if it was a big project, um, a friendship would develop with a client. And occasionally one of them would begin to share something painful or vulnerable with me, and I'd realize I was being invited into a really private place. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I would just, I charge by the hour. So at that point, I'd just say, okay, I just I just hit the pause on the clock. Yeah, let's just talk, the clock. Let's just talk for a while. Yeah. Yeah, so that gave me freedom then to ask questions and listen and sometimes even pray with or or share with somebody. Now, these days, um, my community art, my art community rather, is my workplace. There's about 10 of us who share studio space and we put on art shows together. And like a workplace, the thing that brings us together is art, but that's about where our similarities end. Mm -hmm. We aren't all friends with each other, but some deep friendships have formed within the group, and I have several. Um, And many spiritual conversations and several opportunities to pray with someone have presented themselves over the years. So how about you? Are there times when you felt nudged to you know, um, very intentionally represent Jesus in your workplace in a way that meant more than doing good work? Yeah. Um, Particularly, I worked with a pretty devout Mormon guy for a while. And um, don't get me wrong, he was lovely and wonderful. Like, he didn't drink, but he wasn't preachy at all. But people knew, like, probably don't swear around him and, and stuff like that. And... No one made fun of him for it, but there was, you know, some light cajoling. And there were certainly kind of ideas of, like, what was and wasn't acceptable. I don't know if that made sense. But, uh, like, in his presence. And mm-hmm. I would kind of just make it clear, like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not a Mormon, but I'm I'm a Christian. But, like, please don't change the way you act around me. Like... I'm, you are you, and I don't want or expect you to be any different from me. And that's not necessarily um, something that my coworker had, like, wanted people to treat him differently. Right, But it was important to me that I was like, be you, and I'll be me. And, you know, what I believe is that... Like, I, I don't know, you don't have to shield me, I guess. And it was important to me, like, whether that's a ministry or not, like, no, it's not really. But it was important to me that people didn't feel like I was fragile. Yeah, they had to protect you yeah, from because, the real world. Because, like, how, it, like, more than anything, like, how can I really forge deep relationships with people if they're, they don't want to come to me yeah, with their things that like they're, they're like, walking mm, on eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that I'm going to judge them. Yeah. 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 I, I think, um, I mean, the term missionary is really, um, I think most people have a lot of 
It's fraught. It's fraught. I was actually thinking of using that word, and then I... It's anyway, not super... Does yeah, not, it does people, not matter. It's like the word evangelist. Like, people have some yeah. not great ideas of what that means. Yeah, evangelist is definitely fraught. Um, but uh, maybe the idea of being on mission wherever we work is is a good way to think mm-hmm. about it. Uh, being on mission requires that we walk into a room with our eyes open. So who needs a kind word today? Mm-hmm. You know, who needs help with a task? Who needs prayer? Uh, I've discovered that when you choose your time and place with sensitivity, obviously not in a board meeting, yeah. <laughs> um, and offer to pray for somebody, people almost always welcome prayer. And if, even if they say no, what are they going to do? Stop you? <laughs> no, but I mean, pray for them like right there in yeah, the moment. Yeah. And uh, and I've had some really amazing encounters. And often people cry. Mm-hmm. Sometimes nobody's ever prayed for them before. So that's that's uh, another way that we can be on mission and work. Mm-hmm. I've got friends who like. I have a very dear friend who's very skeptical. She's um, she's. Starting to realize she's not an atheist. She's called herself an atheist because her dad is quite critical of, um, what's the other one? Agnostics. Agnostics, thank you. Um, and he's like, there either is or there isn't. There's no, like, and I'm like, that's No, being silly. an agnostic just means I'm willing to concede that I don't have all of the knowledge yeah. in the universe to make this decision. So she's kind of coming to terms with the fact that she might be agnostic, but she, until previously she'd been quite... Uh, not like unkind or like she's not campaigning, but she's very much been like, whatever, dude. Like, if you're into that, that's cool, but I think it's stupid. Um, and to the point at one point, she's like, I respect you. I don't respect your beliefs. And I'm like, mm, fair enough, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, she respected you. Yeah. Like, that's all and I your really beliefs, yeah. And your beliefs make you who you are. I but. know, but that's <laughs> like, she, yeah. But like, she's going through a divorce right now and it's really hurting her. And I've like told her a little hesitantly, like, you know, my family and I were praying for you, and she's been like, thank you. Like, I appreciate that so yeah, much. amazing, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it may be because she's so desperately, like, she's in so much she's pain, pain that yeah. she's just like, anything, anything, yeah. I'll yeah. take it. But, wow. like, that's when God finds us, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you'll it'll surprise you. Yeah. And I, I let, let's just say that um, being on mission at work doesn't mean we can treat our work just as a means to an end, right? Ooh. We should do our best. We need to do our best as though we're doing it for Jesus, as though he's the one who signs our paycheck. In Colossians 3.17, Paul writes, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the, of the Lord Jesus. We represent Jesus and honor God every day that we do our job well. Mm-hmm. Maybe that means signing up for a task at work that everyone hates to do. It could mean helping a coworker out and letting them get the credit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that this is, would be something you'd want to be a pattern in your work, but no. just being sensitive to what people need in the moment. So what other ways can you think of that we could love people and represent Jesus well in our jobs? Um, having grace, you know, everyone has a bad day. And so if someone's having a bad day, especially if it's not... Like they're they've underperformed in some way that they don't normally have grace. Yeah, pick up the slack where you can. You know, don't again, don't let it become a pattern where you're it's abusive. But right, um, or you're allowing you're enabling somebody to be lazy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but have some grace, um, and I guess like 
be available, be someone that people know you can talk to. I don't know how to tell you how to do that um, because it's something I just do. I am a, a chronic oversharer. And, but as a result, like... <laughs> really? Everyone who listens... All of our listeners yeah. are going, what? Oh, the things that I don't say in this podcast. <laughs> um, this is me on my best behavior. Anyway, um, I've had friends at work be like, can I talk to you about something? And, like, pull me into a conference room and be like, I'm thinking about getting an IUD, and I know you have one, and I know you'd be comfortable talking about it. Like, can you tell me about it? And, like, is that a deep and spiritual conversation? No, but my coworkers know I'm available mm -hmm. and pretty hard to scare. Yeah. Like, there's not a whole lot that's off the table with me, and that's how you have those conversations. Hmm. Um, at least that... Like, that works for you. Yes. That would and be that, everybody's style. And but no, that aligns with my gifting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, when we do our work as though we're working for the Lord, to use Paul's words, mm -hmm. I think our work becomes worship. Yeah, it does. I've, I've talked before about a, a, a period in my life, about 18 months, when both my sister and my dad were dying of cancer. Oh, that sucked. Mm. And during that time, I stopped having my daily... Uh, devotional quiet time. I didn't have the energy even when I did have the time. I got up every morning. I did what I absolutely had to do in the office and at home. And then I spent the rest of the day caring for my sister or my dad. And for a while, I was feeling really quite guilty about abandoning my, my quiet time. But mm -hmm. then I realized that caring for my loved ones was pleasing to God. Yeah, It was an act of love and worship. God wasn't stressed that I wasn't giving him a half hour of focused time mm -hmm. every day. Um, I was giving him my whole day while I helped my dad with his exercises, while I bathed my sisters or just tried to help keep their households running. Mm -hmm. I was worshiping God. It probably bears saying that, like, it, it just like in your marriage, like, dad had to take a back seat for a while. And not that God was taking a back seat, but, like... Those, I'd say those things are temporary. Like, you still do, right. like, God will get it, but also, like, do be intentional and do make time for oh, relationship Absolutely, with but I just, um, yeah, there are times, there are times when Seasons. it is our action. Yeah. That's the way that we're worshiping God. And, of mm -hmm. course, at work, that can be all the time. Yeah, right? and there's such freedom in knowing that, too. Because God doesn't just want a few songs on Sunday and 10% of our income. He wants our 9 to 5, mm -hmm. too. He actually wants our 24-7. <laughs> we can worship God at work by loving people the way he loves them, by sharing how Jesus has made a difference in our lives. And when we have the, opportun when we have the opportunity to, you know, get into those deeper spiritual conversations and in doing our work with excellence, that all worships God. And maybe some of our misconceptions about what it means to be on mission come from our understanding of what we call the Great Commission. Here's the way I memorized it in Matthew 28, 18 to, uh, to 21 uh, as a kid in vacation Bible school. I think mm -hmm. you'll appreciate oh, the great. King James. Oh, no. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Yeah, let's teach children that. They'll definitely absorb the meaning, meaning and not just the <laughs> yeah. words. Okay, so here it is in the message. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life. 
marking them by baptism in the threefold name, uh, in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day, right up until the end of the age. A little bit more accessible, yeah, it's hey? a little bit more user-friendly. But here's what's really interesting. Most translators of this verse agree that the emphasis of this command is not the going. It's the disciple-making. Mm. He's saying, get going. Yeah. Make disciples. We can do that, right? Right where we are, we can do that. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more challenging these days of social distancing, What's Um, funny is I was just about to say it like it's easier than ever mm. because like even to go out into the world because like the internet Mm -hmm. is a remarkable place. And you can literally go anywhere in the world. Anywhere. Well, certainly talk to anybody anywhere in the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So it's harder, but also easier. Well, yeah. So um, whether we're, you know, frontline workers or whether we're Zoom bots, (laughs) We can show love, right? We can do that. We can be sensitive to people who need prayer. We can do our work with diligence, whether anyone's around to watch us or not. Yeah, with integrity. Yeah. So, um, you know, think about that as you go into your world, the idea of being on mission. And and one of the ways that we're hoping to help you be on mission is by doing our monthly share show. Mm -hmm. Which sounds like a shameless plug, and it sort of is, but also it genuinely is a tool. Oh, absolutely it is. Um, Our encouragement, so it's the last... Tuesday of every month yep. that we do a share show. And the we've designed it with your unsaved friends in mind, mm-hmm. your friends who, who don't know God. Yeah. And the, our idea is that um, you listen to the share show thinking about who, who could I share this with, who could benefit from this topic, mm-hmm. and then follow up with that friend, have a conversation. So what did you think of when they said this crazy thing or, you know, whatever your conversation starter is. We'll try not to say super crazy things. Super crazy things. And we're really working in these share shows to avoid um, any assumption of Mm -hmm. deep Bible knowledge, uh, church words. Um, Certainly it's not going to be high pressure in any way. Yeah. And uh, very much the way we approach it is like, okay, what, what is a topic or something that anyone could benefit from discussing and discussing it in general with a bit of a shift to a biblical focus. Right. But we, we try to make it more approachable than... than and we use biblical. a lot of other sources yeah. for information besides the Bible. It's yeah. just one of... I think most people um, can agree that the Bible contains a lot of wisdom. Yeah. yeah even yeah. if they don't believe it's the flawless word of God. And so we're using it as a source. Um, not that we consider the sources equal, mm-hmm. um, but that um, we want to make this really accessible. There's a whole other conversation that could be a whole episode. <laughs> but we don't have time for we that We don't today. have time for that. We do have to wrap up. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Please uh, follow us, comment on uh, Instagram, Grow on the Go Pod. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We're pretty much wherever anyone is. But that is it for us today on Grow on the Go. I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter, inviting you to Grow on the Go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.